second baseman, Shed Law. When I get that call, first call I'm making, I gotta call my parents. And I mean, it's just gonna be, I don't know, a dream, you know? Long with a fly ball out towards the left field corner. Going back is Hill. It's over his head and it's gone. I'm C. Trent Rosecrans, and this is Great American Dream. The story of the minor leagues told through the eyes of Red second base prospect Shed Long. A beautiful day today in Birmingham. I should say evening at 6 o'clock. Now the 2-1 pitch. Long swings and grounds it towards the middle. Jose Vinicio tries a backhand pickup, but it deflects off of his leg and kicks out into center field. We'll see how it's scored. It was hit very sharply by Long. And it could go as either a hit or an error. I think it's got to be a hit. Vinicio ranged towards the middle and attempted the backhand pickup, so we'll see how they score it. Pretty confident that's got to be a single for Shed Long. Here's a look at the Wahoos lineup today. As you can tell, Shed and I have done most of our interviews for this podcast on the phone. We text a bit and then catch up and I'll record our conversations for the podcast. That means if you listen carefully, at times you can hear the wind as Shed stands near the ocean or the turn signal on my car, or even my wife telling my daughter in a hushed tone that daddy's on the phone. For Shed, it's finding downtime when he's not at the park getting ready for a game. If there's one place that the life of a minor league ball player affords downtime, it's on the road. Minor leagues, for the most part, are about buses. You'll hear buses as a reference to the minors whenever talking about the life leading up to the big leagues. Some of the most memorable moments of the seminal chronicle of minor league life, the movie Bull Durham, takes place on a bus. In a perfect world, I'd drop quotes from Kevin Costner's Crash Davis to Tim Robbins' Nuke Lelouch here, but well, we don't have the rights to those, and we're not paying for them. But trust me, if you haven't seen the movie, there are multiple scenes on and around a bus. One of my most recent interviews with Shed, he was on the bus, sitting next to shortstop slash roommate slash best friend Blake Trahan, as the Blue Wahoos were on the bus after a night game in Montgomery, Alabama, to make the four-plus-hour trip back to Pensacola. Uh, what kind of bus do you guys ride on? <laughs> I don't know. Charter bus? <laughs> yeah, so, like, if you have someone sitting next to you, you guys got your own, uh, your own row or whatever? Well, I I, uh, I sit with Blake. Trahan. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Are you a you're a back of the bus guy, middle of the bus guy? Uh, back. Is, is it is it one of those things where like like it was in high school where the coaches are in the front and no doubt always. In the back? Always. What do you do to pass the time? Uh, listen to music, sleep, text, get on Twitter, see what Trent's talking about on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess, I guess it's easier now than it would have been back in the day when nobody had iPads or iPhones or anything like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, we don't have to make a stop just to go get on the payphone to call someone. <laughs> Heck, are you old enough to know what a payphone is? 
course. <laughs> I live in I live in Alabama. You think we don't have pay phones still? Good point. Good point. <laughs> oh man. Do you guys play cards or not on the bus. Not on the bus. Uh, no. In the locker room a lot, but not on the bus or anything. Yeah. Um, we have before, but I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a relaxing thing, especially after a long series. Everybody's just ready to get back home. In the Southern League, teams play five game series. That means the Blue Wahoos are usually gone for ten days at a time, and home for ten days at a time. That can be a long time on a bus away from home, or away from the creature comforts of home, and in a hotel with a roommate. Two guys to a room with a pair of double beds. The Reds may stay at their fair share of Ritz-Carlton's, but the Blue Wahoos do not. Double-A's travel isn't too bad, especially for Shedd, who gets to play in Montgomery and Birmingham, two places where he has friends and family. The furthest trip from Pensacola in the league is to Kodak, Tennessee, home of the Tennessee Smokies, just east of Knoxville. The trip is 526 miles between the two stadiums. After a five-game series in Birmingham, the Blue Wahoos went to Tennessee last week and then had an off day that was mostly the return back to Pensacola. It's not a fun trip or a short one. But the trips in the Southern League or the Florida State League, those trips are nothing compared to the Pioneer League. I recently went around the Reds clubhouse asking players for their best, or worst depending on how you look at it, minor league travel story. Most of them had the same thing in common, the Pioneer League. Pioneer League is a short-season league with eight teams in two divisions. Four teams in Montana, two in Utah, one in Idaho, and one in Colorado. Unlike the Florida State League, Southern League, or many of the other minor leagues, the Pioneer League starts not in April, but in June. It's usually the first stop for players out of the draft. Some may start in the Arizona League, a level often referred to as a complex league, since teams are based out of the spring training complexes in Arizona or Florida. This is the lowest level of minors in the United States. And then there's one step up, the Rookie League. Many of the drafted players will start immediately in the Pioneer League. Last year was the first stop for first-round pick Nick Senzel. Shed spent his first year of pro ball after being drafted in Arizona, then went to Billings in his second year before moving to Dayton in 2015. The bus trips in the Pioneer League are legendary. Yeah, it's just, that, that travel is no joke, man. It's uh... Nothing like nothing better than the Florida State League because that's just like everywhere around Florida. It's very, very easy, but that, that travel is ridiculous. That's Reds rookie pitcher Sal Romano on his time in the Pioneer League. Oh, God. Um, I would say it's probably my first year of pro ball. We had a trip from Grand Junction, Colorado, I think we were in, and uh, back to Billings, Montana. It was 12 hours, and it was absolutely brutal. And we had guys blowing up pool floaties in the middle of the aisle we were taking taking turns doing it because everyone was just so squished and miserable and air was messed up and it was just a absolutely brutal trip for the members of the reds rookie affiliate in the pioneer league the billings mustangs the closest rivals are in the same state montana you have the great falls voyagers and the helena brewers both about 220 miles away from billings next year the helena team is moving to colorado springs a scant 622 miles away from Billings. Currently, the longest trip is to Grand Junction, Colorado, home to the Grand Junction Rockies, a 662-mile trip along I-90. The other teams in the league are the Missoula Osprey, also in Montana, 334 miles away from Billings, the Orem Owls in Utah, 589 miles away, the Idaho Falls Chuckers 
in, of course, Idaho, 338 miles away, and the Ogden Raptors in Utah, a mere 516 miles from Billings. Reds catcher Tucker Barnhart spent the 2010 season in Billings. The it's really like during the day it was really pretty to look at. Like I mean, all the mountains and stuff, and Yellowstone, all seeing all that was really cool. But I mean, they, just with the way that everything, like you said, is out there. I mean, there's no really straight shot anywhere. You have to go around every everything, anything and everything, and sometimes you got to stop and let the uh, let the animals cross the road. So uh, what kind of animals? Uh, that's what I, it, it was like a bear moose crossing or whatever is the reason why they shut down that part of the road, I guess, because the animal traffic is so, is so, uh, frequent and it's so dark and it's so dark. You can't see anything. So we all kinds of issues. Like everyone else, Barnhart's worst, best travel story came from that year in Billings. In the Pioneer League, uh, we were going for, I believe it was from Casper, Wyoming to Idaho Falls. Um, and the main highway in which you travel in between those two cities goes right through Yellowstone. And so we, I think every evening, and uh, the time, I may be off on the time, but I know they shut down the, the, the part of the highway for a couple hours. And I want to like roughly say it's like between 2 and 4 or 3 and 5 a.m. And whatever it was, we got to the um we got to that like where they stopped where they shut it down we got right there right before like as they were shutting it down and so we had to spend like two hours plus just sitting there on the bus and then had to go uh it was like halfway through the trip and so we ended up rolling into i think it was either wherever we were going i think it was casper we rolled in at like 10 or 11 a.m so that was probably, I think, the worst one we had, for sure, for me. Seems like most everybody's worst travel story involves the Pioneer League. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've heard the Florida State League travels not very – or not Florida State League, but the Carolina League when we were in uh, Carolina and Zebulon. I think I've heard people talk about how bad that travel was. But really, for me, the, the Cal League was easy when I was there. Dayton, the Midwest League was easy. Double A AA and Triple A were Okay. But the Pioneer, Pioneer League, I think a lot of it has to do with that's like your first real experience with travel as far as being on a minor league bus and having, and that, I mean, in that, in that league, I don't think you, I don't know what the roster restrictions are, but there was absolutely no no way that it was only 25 people because, I mean, we everybody was doubled up and guys were laying on the floor. It was bad. I guess it makes you appreciate this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean makes you appreciate the more the higher you get in the minor leagues the better the buses get and so it makes you really appreciate being able to sit in your own own seat and have a seat next to you that's empty so you can spread out a little bit you you reach triple a and you think that's like the height of luxury oh yeah when you get sleeper buses i mean that's about as i mean it doesn't get much better than that so but uh but yeah the pioneer league for me was Reds reliever Blake Wood came up through the Royals farm system, playing Idaho Falls his first year. But even though he wasn't with the Reds, he got his fair share of the Pioneer League. Unlike Romano or Barnhart, he was older and had already experienced a better travel life. Wood was a third-round pick out of Georgia Tech in 2006, 
He had played in the College World Series that year before being sent off to Idaho to start his pro career. Well, I mean, it was bad for me because I go from yeah. play high school and then went to a big school in the ACC, so we had pretty nice facilities, you know, and then you go up to Idaho and it's like I don't have a car. You know, you're in a little small room with another dude, you know, because my rooms at Georgia Tech were like apartment style, so we were all in a room, but it was basically like an apartment. It wasn't like you're sharing a bedroom. And then uh, just having no car, terrible food, no clubhouse spreads. It was like Applebee's every day. Then I gained like 20 pounds in two months. Because <laughs> it was the only thing that was open. So it was yeah. like going to Applebee's, just pounding whatever they got. It wasn't good. Wood has spent parts of nine seasons in the minors. Even though he's 32 years old, last year was the first season he had played professional baseball and didn't spend any time in the minors. His travel horror stories, well, they kind of all run together. I don't think I probably have anything out of the ordinary besides the standard, like, you're in the middle of uh, going from Midland, Texas to Frisco and your bus breaks down. Had a few of those. Got in a wreck on a bus in rookie ball. Really? Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it was just we ended up getting to the game like an hour before the game started. Um yeah, just uh, fire alarms going off in the middle of the night in hotels. Just standard fare for minor leagues. Nothing, like, truly extraordinary. Yeah, but you do have the Texas League, which probably has some issues with travel. It's just long. It's just super long. But they actually did an okay job because they would schedule off days usually on each end of it. That would be, like, our only off days the whole season because I was in northwest Arkansas, just like Fayetteville, mm-hmm. going down to Corpus Christi 15 hours. So it's like your whole off day is you're just on a bus. So it's kind of brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That's because everybody here was in the Pioneer League. Yeah, I was in the Pioneer League also. And I had balls. Everybody has those stories. Yep. Yeah, we had one of those. Uh, the now defunct Casper mm-hmm. used to be there, driving there, like breaking down. We broke down there. We broke down. Uh, we got back from Casper at like 6 in the morning to Idaho and our bus broke down at the field so they couldn't bring us back to the hotel and it was like a little over a mile and so we had to walk back with our luggage at 6 in the morning to the hotel so that was that was a good uh, introduction to pro ball as you rise through the levels of the minors travel gets a little better if only because of geography the teams in the Florida State League the Midwest League the Carolina League and the Southern League well the teams are all closer together that is, of course, until you get to AAA. AAA, the highest level of the minor leagues, is quite a bit more spread out. There are two AAA leagues, the International League and the Pacific Coast League. Both titles are misleading. There are currently no teams from any other country in the International League, which stretches from Indianapolis to the west, to Rochester, New York to the north, Pawtucket, Rhode Island to the east, and Gwinnett County, Georgia to the south. The Reds AAA team is in Louisville, which plays its Midwest counterparts in Indianapolis, Toledo, and Columbus repeatedly to cut down on the travel. Pacific Coast League? Well, the closest to the Pacific Coast the 16-team PCL gets is Tacoma, Washington. PCL has teams in 12 different states, with Tacoma as its northernmost site, Sacramento as the furthest west, Nashville as the furthest east, and New Orleans to the south. There are no buses in the PCL, and while plane travel sounds better, ask any frequent flyer how easy it is to get from Reno to Des Moines. Reds right-hander Asher Wojciechowski has called Oklahoma City, Fresno, and New Orleans his AAA home during his PCL career. 
He was lucky enough to be a member of the New Orleans Zephyrs last year, before the franchise, a Marlins affiliate, changed its mascot to the Baby Cakes, complete with the terrifying Babyface logo. A lot of those flights. Have, yeah. Like, uh, I'm guessing, like, Fresno doesn't yeah, have a lot of direct flights. No, Fresno. The only one was uh, to Seattle. The rest were, were yeah, pretty tough to get to places. To Colorado Springs, we're going to fly to Denver and then take a 90-minute bus ride. Yeah. Yeah, Colorado Springs was a 3 a.m. wake-up, yeah. In the background, you hear Wood chiming in about his time in the PCL in Omaha. Or like the PCL, when, like, bad storms, and you're flying from one city, and you have a connecting, you miss your connecting flight, so you have to stay the night in that city, and have an, you already had a 3 a.m. wake-up call, and then the next morning you have another one because you missed your flight, and team you get there and then your the whole team's like bats and and equipment isn't there so you're waiting around for your stuff to get there had that happen a few times in the pcl yeah scott was saying the pcl was so much such it was tougher than the flying was worse than busing yeah definitely it's the no sleep league because you're playing a game at night and then you have a 3 a.m 3 30 a.m wake up to go to the airport and you have usually two flights um you always have to take the earliest flight so you're trying to sleep on a plane and you wake up with a stiff stiff neck or i couldn't sleep on planes i'm a big guy i couldn't ever get comfortable so um definitely was a was tough to get adequate rest in that league since taking over as louisville's manager the line of the shields has employed more bus trips around the international league and fewer flights the bats take two sleeper buses on trips. A sleeper bus is the preferred mode of transportation in AAA. At least that's Wojciechowski's experience. I'd rather bus 14 hours than, than take a flight that's a connecting flight. Direct flights weren't bad, but most of the time in minor leagues, you always have a connecting flight. And I'd rather bus when, when, when you take two buses because you can... Just being able to lay flat and rest, you don't necessarily have to sleep, but just being able to lay flat and let your body rest is a, is a huge key to recovery. So being able to do that rather than fly, where you're flying, you get dehydrated, you're not eating properly, you're not drinking properly, and it really um, just messes with your body. And sometimes, just like any other baseball beat writer will tell you, flights don't always go your way. There are storms or mechanical issues or God knows what else airlines tell you. I always joke that when I die, they're going to send me to Atlanta on a connection to wherever I'm going next. I know Hartsfield like the back of my hand. Try Versano's Pizza and Concourse A terminal if you have time. Or if you don't, grab Willie's Mexicana Grill in Concourse B. If you have a ton of time, Concourse F has by far the best food court. Louisville Bats, they also know this pretty well. On June 29th, the Bats dropped an afternoon game in Norfolk, Virginia, closing a four-game series with the Tides. The team then went to the airport in Norfolk to go to Indianapolis, where they had a four-game series starting the next day. Like it seems to get anywhere else in this country, that included a layover in Atlanta. Problem was, storms up and down the East Coast kept the team, well, first on the ground and then longer in the air. Ten minutes before the Bats flight landed at Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, their scheduled flight to Indianapolis had already left. That meant the traveling party of more than 30 people had to find different ways over the next day to get to Indianapolis. 
Bats left-hander Amir Garrett describes that night. You know, and then that night, it was, it was like chaos because a lot of flights got delayed. I mean, it was like in the airport, we had to go up to the kiosk and get like these vouchers for our plane, tickets the next morning. And we stayed at the, a lot of guys stay at the Crown Plaza and stuff like that, like next to the, uh, the airport. And some guys stay at the Hilton. And I, I wasn't staying over there. So me and Phil went downtown, stayed at a nice uh, hotel. And um, next morning, we get up, like everybody has different flights. Like some have 6 o'clock in the morning, some have 12 o'clock, some have 2 o'clock. And uh, we, I was one of the ones that had 2 o'clock along with the coaches and everything. Infielder Alex Blandino had a 6.30 a.m. standby flight through New York. Another group was out at 10.45, another noon, and then the biggest group was at 2 p.m. All for a 6.05 p.m. start in Indianapolis. That last flight, they got on the plane, took off, but weather around Indianapolis forced the flight to be diverted to Cincinnati, where it landed and sat on the tarmac before heading back to Indianapolis. At 5.23, the Louisville Bats official Twitter account tweeted out that there were still 16 members of the Bats still not at the park for a 6.05 p.m. start. Bats trainer Steve Gober, who made it to Indianapolis ahead of the coaching staff, went ahead and made out a lineup just in case the rest of the team didn't get there by game time. Gober wasn't going for the win, but for laughs. He had six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound pitcher Sal Romano leading off and playing third base. I was playing third base. I was pretty sure I was playing third base, batting leadoff. So you know, I haven't been able to bat leadoff in a very, very long time. I don't think ever actually once in my career. But you know, I was ready to go if we had to. Wojciechowski was playing center field, batting cleanup. Robert Stevenson was batting eighth, playing right field instead of the team's regular right fielder Jesse Winker, who was actually at the ballpark. I wasn't even in the the original the napkin lineup. Uh, Gober made it, our trainer, and he didn't even put me in the lineup. I think he had uh, Reed hitting sixth and playing outfield. I think that's who had my spot that day, so I wasn't too thrilled about that. Romano was leading off playing third? Yeah, Romano was leading off playing third. That would have, yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well. Romano, though, and the rest of the crew had a good laugh at Winker's expense. <laughs> Except I, rem I was talking to Jesse, and he said he was kind of offended because he wasn't even in it. Yeah, we did, uh, Jody told us to don't even put Jesse in the lineup no matter what anyway, so it's a little joke. Romano's referring to Jody Davis, the bat's hitting coach. Stevenson got a good laugh out of it as well. It was hilarious, yeah, because uh, <laughs> when they sent that lineup over to, um, like, Delino and Jody and stuff, Jody was like, well, glad to see Winker didn't make the lineup. <laughs> With a two-hour rain delay, the entire team got there in time for the start of the game, a 6-5 bat's loss that featured Reed and Wojciechowski pitching and Winker going 0-4. It was just another day in the minors. Three more games in Indy before making the short two-hour bus ride home to Louisville. The travel with the big leagues? It's cake. Charter flights, your own room at the country's best hotels. Your bags are carried for you. As Crash Davis tells the kids of the Durham Bulls in the movie Bull Durham, I was in the show for 21 days once. The 21 greatest days of my life, he says on a bus, of course, surrounded by his young teammates. You know, you never handle your bags in the show. Someone else carries your bags. It was great. You hit white balls for batting practice, the ballparks are like cathedrals, the hotels all have room service, and the women all have long legs and brains. That's where in the scene all the other players are hanging on his every word, imagining it for themselves. And, well, it lives up to the experience. When I asked Jesse Winker about the best part of being in the show, it was easy. It was a travel. I feel like it was everything I imagined. The charter flight's cool. Cool as hell, to be honest with you. Damn, that thing was awesome. Uh... <laughs> Just to two hours, you're in D.C. from Florida. That was really cool. 
Everything in the miners is trying to get to the show. It's the reward for the overnight bus rides, the flight delays, the pool floats in the aisles of a cramped bus. It's all part of the process. And the way that Wojciechowski sees it, there's two ways to avoid that travel. If you're in AAA, you're in the bushes, that's just, you gotta realize that it's part of it. And if you don't like it, play better or play worse and stop playing. <laughs> so you just deal with it. You, complaining doesn't doesn't do anything except for bring your mood down even more so you just gotta it's, it's all part of it and you gotta deal with it professional baseball is about the grind even for someone from a big time college program like wood pro baseball is a new experience it's games every day it's small clubhouses it's learning to deal with all the things that all young adults must deal with like balancing work and life nutrition sleep finding your way in a new environment but baseball brings together a group of 25 young men with different backgrounds, languages, economic situations, and all the rest, and throws them together in a new place like Billings, Montana or Dayton, Ohio, and then tells them to work as a team. All the while, their individual performances matter the most. Throw in the physical toll of playing, plus the movement across the country, it's, well, a grind. Grind is a word that's used across sports. Every athlete will discuss the grind, whether it's going to the gym every day, and working out are the days of training camp in football or other sports. Baseball's grind is a little different. It's not just the physical part. In fact, that's only a small part of it. Baseball's grind is mental and emotional, with sore arms and legs thrown in for good measure. Red's lefty Amir Garrett was a big-time college basketball recruit. He played basketball in the Big East at St. John's and is still friends with several players who made it to the NBA, including Russell Westbrook, this past season's NBA Most Valuable Player. Garrett's lived basketball's grind. Yeah, like I talk to my friends all the time, you know, uh, they they understand a little bit, but not really, you know, even though with the D-League they do, they have the D-League, but it's it's definitely a difference, you know, um, going through the minor leagues, you know, the grind is way much, it's it's way harder than any sport, you know, and I tell everybody, you know, the, the difference between basketball and baseball or any sport in that baseball players grind the hardest and, you know, I've been, I've seen both, both grinds, you know, it's, it's, Basketball's different. You're like, okay, I'm grinding. I'm in the game. I'm in the gym working on my game or whatever. Shooting three hours. Baseball, it's a grind. You gotta ride the bus trips. You gotta the way you eat. You know the way you you ride on the bus trips 12 hours and get off and gotta play a game right away. That's that's the real grind. You know what I'm saying? And then come out there and work on your game on the field after a 12-hour bus ride and you're tired and you're 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 you just not feeling it. That's that's the real grind right there. Not knocking anybody else, not knocking any other sports grind, but you know, baseball players they really grind. It's easy when things are going well. When they're not, well, that's when it really hits. Get ten hits in a five game series and you can deal with the bus rides. It makes it romantic, all worth it. But go hitless or see hit after hit taken away from you? That makes the bus ride more miserable. Here's Shed talking on the bus after going five for twenty it's a 250 batting average in the series against the Montgomery Biscuits. It's not real. I mean, the day-to-day grind is just—it's not for everyone. You know, it's definitely not for everyone. And I mean, it's not only a grind on your body, but I mean, it's also a grind on your mind. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, baseball is 80% mental, 20% physical. You know? So, I mean, it's constantly thinking and, you know, thinking ahead, you know. So, I mean, it's definitely the daily grind. And, I mean, 
the people that understand that are the people that's in it. The people that's out of it that say, you know, oh, it's not any impact or anything like that. They they don't understand because they've never done it. You know, just being able to stay, you know, level-minded, you know, not too high and not too low. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, if you can do that, if you can control yourself to stay not too high, not too low, even when things are going good, I mean, and that's when, that's when you'll see, you know, the consistency. But, I mean, you know, it's guys that you find that, you know, they they their emotions are just off of performance, you know. It seems like you're kind of made for that. You know. No doubt. Every time I've talked to you, it's I can't tell from your voice whether you're doing well or if you're doing poorly. I mean, it's just, I've been through so much adversity. I mean, it's, you know, honestly, it's just a blessing to just be on the field now, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, to be able to do what I'm doing every day, doing what I love, I mean, you, you can't you can't want a better life, honestly. You, you say this on you're on a bus somewhere in the middle of Alabama. Exactly. <laughs> going down at night to, to Pensacola. <laughs> and I know that drive. I don't even know what part of Alabama I'm in right now. Next on Great American Dream. But I, I knew it was time. You know, I, you know I, I basically I was hanging on. And I didn't want to do that because I was, you know, I was, I was I was frustrated with all. I, you know, I, I had my family and I wanted to make sure I took care of them. And I didn't, was tired of dragging them around, you know, to all these to all these different towns. So it's a really, everything just kind of fell in place and I got that call and it, it did wonders for me. Great American Dream is hosted by me, C. Trent Rosecrans, produced by Amanda Rossman and Phil Didion, and edited by Amy Wilson. Game coverage of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos is courtesy of 97.1 The Ticket, with play-by-play from Tommy Thrall and Chris Garagiola. You can follow the Blue Wahoos along all season on MILB.com, BlueWahoos.com, and WeAreSportsRadio.com. Follow the Tortugas all season long on their flagship stations, AM 1230 and AM 1490 WSBB, or streamed online through MyAM1230.com, DaytonaTortugas.com, or the TuneIn Radio app. Stay connected to your Cincinnati Reds with the Enquirer and Cincinnati.com, the go-to source for everything Reds. Never miss an update by signing up for a digital subscription that provides complete, real-time coverage of all the games, a terrific mobile app for both your phone and iPad, and the news you won't get anywhere else. 